when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hey listeners, welcome to a special mini-sode of the Feelin' Film podcast. I'm Aaron, and joining me for this conversation about Catherine Bigelow's Detroit are Emmanuel Noisette from Eman's Movie Reviews and Don Shanahan, one of our FF contributors from Every Movie Has a Lesson. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us. Listeners, this episode is going to be structured just a little bit differently than we've pretty much ever done before. Um, we are going to start off with some spoiler-free reactions, kind of like a feeling it episode, and then we'll move into some more serious, in-depth conversation that goes into details about the film and, and why we feel the way we do. We'll definitely give you a clean break so that you know when to stop listening and when you can come back after you've seen the film. Just to set the stage, it is very late on a Wednesday night. It is after midnight for these gentlemen, and we have all three just gotten out of our respective advanced screenings of Detroit. Frankly, we just did not feel like it would be right to wait to talk about this one. We have a lot on our mind. So with that being said, Emmanuel, would you mind kicking us off and I guess take the challenge of telling us how you felt about this movie? Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously this was based on uh, an actual historical event, you know, in the 1960s, 67, I believe. Um, It was amidst the uh, Detroit Rebellion, even though some might, you know, only call it the Detroit Riots. Um, But uh, it, it actually focused more so on the events that happened at the Algiers Motel, um, which is a story that really up until this point, at least for me, I had never heard of. And I'm not sure if very many people have heard of it. I've heard of the Detroit riots or rebellion. I've heard of, you know, the civil unrest and all that. But this specific case that got triggered because of those events um, at the Algiers Motel was definitely a unique one um, and a really good one to show. And one of the things that I appreciated about it was the fact that, you know, um, Bigelow does a good job of showing a parallel between the events that happened in 1967 and how they're just not that different to what's happening even in the most current times. Um, so that that dynamic was definitely appreciated. Um, overall, I mean, I like the film. There are certain aspects that i do have some issues with that you know they do get spoilery so we can talk about that at a later time um but overall i like the film i like the acting in it the directing was cool um as for feelings i'm not super enraged because this is stuff that i've seen it before not in terms of the film but like just in the news you know this isn't you know shocking Um, for me as a person of color like yeah okay people have been racist and yes the police have abused power in different situations so um it was definitely nothing new but um 
I like the fact that the story was being told primarily because now it makes me want to go research it. You know, it makes me want to go and figure out, oh, what happened? Because some of these people are actually still alive. So that's something that I appreciate. And I think anytime you do a historical piece, um, if you can garner interest for people to actually go look it up, you win. Like you did something positive. So I'm, I'm more appreciative of this than anything else. That's great. So w- what about you, Don? Let's, I guess we'll just go around the table. Sure you bet. No, I second that in that um, a good historical, whatever, epic dramatization, whichever way you want to call it, um, whether it's something like Dunkirk or something like this, where if, if, a, if a movie can provoke your brain enough to want to go learn more about it, it you're right. It did its job and it, and it honored history enough to make you, um, you know, kind of elicit those feelings, not just of interest, but of, um, I keep saying the word provoke, but provocation. And I think that that's a suitable label for where this film goes. Um, I just, uh, it's a difficult film to watch because, you know, I, they, as E-Man said, you know, they do such a, a keen job of drawing the, that parallel line across 50 years that you wish and hope every, every moment of the story where you, you want this to be different or turn out different than maybe you think it will. And then when, you know, you see things progress in a very similar fashion to what you see in the news now. It just, it, it's disheartening. And and, and it, it's it's the right kind of disheartening to, to kind of, to present. You know, I, I'm, uh, Eman and I were talking about before coming on tonight where we're, uh, I'm very glad this movie didn't go soft. Um, I think that'd be a disservice to the people who are obviously are still living, but also a disservice to the event and, and the realism that you, you need to convey out of this to maybe garner, you know, especially for my site, garner a lesson 50 years later to do something in that kind of way. I think it was a very effective film for doing that. Um, it, you know, it is long, it is exhausting. It is, um, it's maddening. And, um, but at the same time, just on point in terms of finding the right calculated places to put emotion, finding the right calculated places to put, um, you know history. I love the way they blended archival footage in there and all that. Um, from a from a storytelling skill standpoint, um, I enjoyed this because it, it, I felt like it, it, it. Even though it centered on the Algiers Motel, it gave you enough of a sense, enough of a slice of the bigger picture going on. Um, and and I I really appreciated how it lingered afterwards. You know where it turned into kind of the court case and not just your not just your epilogue that most movies would stop 20 minutes early and just start putting title cards of where people are now. This movie lingered past the incident in a really effective way to show you that it doesn't just end when the incident ends. And I, and I really appreciated how the film did that. I don't think I've seen a lot of films do that. They kind of hit hard punch fast and then hit you with the credits and move on where this one lingers and, and lingers in a positive way. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word for it. Linger. Uh, I, I don't think this is a movie that is going to be off of my mind anytime soon. Um, I feel like it's something that I will be thinking about for a while. I, I hope so, as much as that's sort of a, a painful thought. Painful is one of the words I used uh, to describe the film when I walked out of it and was asked by our, our marketing reps, you know, well, what do you think about the movie? That That was the first word that came out of my mouth was painful because this is a hard experience to go through. Um, and I, 
I would suspect that for many people of color, it's going to be much harder than it was for me, uh, depending on background and, and history and personal um, feelings to this type of material. I mean, I had I had friends next to me that were in tears for most of the movie. I had friends that were biting their nails, and you could tell were were more closer to the enraged aspect of uh, their feelings. So this one's going to evoke a lot of emotion uh, from people. I hesitate to use the word I enjoyed this movie because it is really well made. Catherine Bigelow is a wonderful director, and she does a great job. The cast is impeccable. I cannot even imagine how hard it must have been to act in this situation for some of these actors. It, it, I just, I just can't put myself in that headspace. I can't, I can't, I don't know what that would be like. Um, so it's hard. Don, you and I were talking before we we came on as well about how, to some extent, when you see a movie like this that's so on point and comparative to what it's like today we almost feel in a way that we're unqualified to have an opinion. <laughs> and and I know that's not true. I mean, as, as far as movie criticism goes, but as far as the film's importance, it's, it's tough. You don't want to, sure. you don't want to say something that's going to hurt anybody's feelings or be an inaccurate representation of, of your own, you know, emotions to this material. One of the, the things that just struck me so much was walking out of it and feeling like, wow, nothing has changed. You know, you guys talked about how it does a great job of paralleling real-type events that we're used to seeing these days. Um, One thing that I do want to point out as well that made me appreciate Catherine Bigelow so much, I would say respect Catherine Bigelow, the decisions to show in this movie – what I would say is three different types of characters. We have very racist people in this film that are perpetuating, you know, evil acts. We also have characters in this film who clearly are not racist, but are scared and too scared to stand up for what they know is wrong and fight against it. And we have a third group that actively helps and does do does takes action, and maybe we'll go into that in spoilers a little bit more. But it was very important for me to see that because what I don't want, I didn't what I didn't want is a movie that was going to be about killer cops and take the tone of all cops are bad, and that is definitely not what we got here. Um, while not obviously taking away from the fact that. Some are, some are, and and that's the tragedy. So yeah, this was this was a tough experience, guys. Um, I, Eman, who who would you recommend go see this? We're still in our spoiler free area. If you're talking to listeners right now who are curious about this movie and we haven't scared them off yet, <laughs> who what what would you say to someone who's going to go see it? Like, how should they prepare themselves? Sure, I mean, look. You know, I I can only speak from my perspective, right? So, um, you know, if you're a person of color, you're not going to go into this with the same uh, pre-mental fatigue 
that you would go into a typical slave movie. That's not what you're going to get here. Um, are there tough elements? Yes. Um, is it anything as uh, traumatic or dramatic as like, uh, you know, a, a 12 Years a Slave or something like that? Not so much. Um, I personally would like everyone to watch this movie, but I'd also want them to quickly listen to the uh, the following and upcoming podcast for our reactions and because I've got a, I've got some things that I really need to get off my chest as well. Um, but I do think that people need to go watch this just because of the parallels. Because one of the biggest misconceptions is that we're just like in this post-racial society that everything should be fine but it's not fine everywhere for everyone and yes we've made progress but it's not all the way there so um if you're going into it go into it with an open mind go into it knowing that you're going to probably learn about a story you didn't know about um but don't be afraid you know this it's gonna make you feel something but it's nothing to be afraid of either so I, I second I, I, it's it's got my recommendation. Yeah, I, I second that with the school teacher head on where, you know, Eman brought this up to me in lots of stories over the over the year or two we've known each other where, you know, school books don't tell these stories. And if movies and if movies can do a better job of, of introducing those things, dramatic license or whatever you want to call it, just you know, bring out the date, bring out the ideas, put out some names to people all of that becomes completely worth it, you know, especially if a film can do it with, um, with the right, you know, with the right kind of inspirational attempt. You know, now don't get me wrong. No one comes out of this film, you know, flying on butterfly wings or anything like that. But, um, but if this can, I keep using that word provoke, but if this film can provoke that response of want to know more, you know, a dash of uh, vigilance in there. Yeah. Uh, I, this is required viewing on my list. Yeah, I I would agree with the, both of you there. I empathy came out uh, in in spades. I think for me, again, like you said, Emmanuel, this is a personal type of thing. Not everybody's going to have the same reactions. My hope is that a lot of empathy will be generated, and not just empathy, but empathy that will feel like some some sort of a call to action. Uh, because I did, I came out of this feeling like desperate for change and angry. And wh- where do we go with that, right? Where do we where do we take that where so that it doesn't just evaporate into the thin air five days from now when we've forgotten about Detroit and we're watching the next movie? I think that's that's going to be the challenge after seeing this one. So, uh, oh, one last thing before we move on, I do want to say I also came to this film without any knowledge. I knew it was about race riots in Detroit, and that is the most I knew. I did not know exactly what happened. I had no idea that it was this bad. I didn't even know the race riots were as bad as they were. Um, so I felt like the film for me did a good job of telling that story. Like I think Don, you might've mentioned there in the beginning, it really did integrate well with some of the footage and the, the realistic, you know, history. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt good about that. And it, definitely has made me need want to and need to seek out more information uh, about this and about other moments in civil rights history that we don't know about right that aren't martin luther king speeches (laughs) or 
something big with Malcolm X, some, one of the, the big hitters, right? Um, there's so much that we don't, that we don't know. Like you said, that's not in the textbook. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's what I've got to, I think we will cut it off here listeners. So you should have enough information to make a decision for yourself on whether or not you want to go see Detroit. It is about two hours and 20 minutes long. So be prepared for that emotionally. This is not a film. I would, I would, I would say this, if you're going to go see this movie, you should do your due diligence by allowing yourself to be in a position to think about this movie after you're done. Do not go see this movie and then rush from this movie to your kid's soccer game or do this movie back to back with another movie opening this weekend or something like that. Go see this movie. Let it it marinate. (laughs) Yeah. Let it marinate. That's a great word for it. So that's our recommendations. We're going to take about a 10 second break here and then we will be back with our spoiler talk. Oh, there's not music during this part. My bad. Well, I guess I don't need to like find any kind of pause music now. I have Dawn. He well, can just yeah, yeah, just add that and loop it. <laughs> exactly. You know. All right, guys. So now the non-spoiler hat is off. Um, it's fair game, mm-hmm. listeners. You've been mm-hmm. warned. That's your last warning. Uh, and Emmanuel, I'm going to give you the honors again to go first. You said you had some stuff to get off your chest, so um, man, let's let's talk through it. Ooh-wee. All right, where do I begin? All right, so first and foremost, <sighs> I was very disappointed with the introduction of this movie. Um, the introduction. Are you talking about the animated know, sequence. Uh, yeah, but more not the animation oh, or okay. anything, but more so just like the quick lines of script, you know, to try and preface the setting and everything. Mm-hmm. I think what it does, it does a very huge disservice to the representation of not only the rioters of the 60s, but it also does a disservice to the perception of black people in general. Um, and that perception that i'm talking about is when when we do see riots when we do see angry protests and things like like ferguson you know or or you know if we go back to detroit if we were to use those two parallels what what ends up happening is especially within the media we see these portrayals of angry people of color but we don't really see the things that built that anger up and that also makes that anger understandable not justified but just understandable and that's something that i thought was lacking in this movie i thought that throwing bottles and rocks right right you know it was like okay tensions have been high and things are going badly and the police have been doing this okay now let's show black people going crazy and being upset i didn't like that because to me i don't even think that you had to show all of the rioting because we can conceptualize that right sure show us the tipping point which was the uh the scene at that you know license uh, yeah yeah, where you know the veterans were coming home and you know they were trying to celebrate show us that because that is one of those catalyst moments um recorded in history um to really set that was like the last straw but to right. me, I'm like, show us all the stuff before, because 
kind of like what Don mentioned earlier, you know, we oftentimes take in what we see from movies and if it's supposedly historical or even if it's not, that's usually what sticks with us and it's the visuals. Mm -hmm. You can give me all the text in the world and tell me all the pretext, but what I see is what I'm going to internalize and that's what I'm going to remember and walk away with, you know, so I'm going to keep those images in my mind and that's going to be whatever comes up whenever I think of the Detroit riots or rebellion. Um, so I thought it was a disservice for Bigelow not to show that. And it could have just been in a montage because I think right. the movie, unfortunately, was unnecessarily too long. I think there were a lot of scenes that did not need to be in that movie at all. And they could have been better served showing maybe not the entire riot, but you could have given us a quick little history lesson, you know, show us a couple scenes of police, you know, pulling people over, doing the abuse or, you know, doing unlawful raids or whatever the case is that mm-hmm. historically actually happened that built up an entire city to get to that point. Right. Because that right. doesn't happen overnight. Right. And if you show it like that in a movie, people are going to, you know, feed into the stereotype of, oh, black people are just angry and they just, you know, riot and you completely miss the point as to why they actually feel that way. And that can disrupt the level of empathy that Aaron was trying to talk about. Because to me, I'm sitting here thinking like, golly, I get why they're upset, but I don't know if a person that's not of color is really going to get that straight Mm -hmm. off. Like, and this is before we even get to the central characters, you know? So that's my first concern, but go ahead. Yeah, I feel like um, I, I like the opening, like, and remember, like is a strong word, but I mean, I respect and, 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 and tip my hat to the, the opening sequence at the Blind Pig um, establishment, because then that's your first, you know, encounter of police kind of overstepping and you see the reactions of the community and all that. The gap after that, though, where, you know, it takes an awful long time until we start to step into the, you know, step into that Algiers motel. That is indeed going to be our our central place for a while, like that gap in between where it's just repeating looter after repeating looter with not much, like you said, explanation, context, or further story, you know, other than, you know, you get one more Will Poulter murder, which, you know, I think comes out just fine at the Algiers. I mean, I know for maybe for historical accuracy's sake, you need to show that first one too, but yeah, there, there's a lull there where if you, if you shorten that, extend that Jacob Lawrence painting to go more local for two more minutes at the beginning mm-hmm. before you get to that blind pig mm-hmm. and that can smooth over to, you know, the Algiers. Um, I get that you needed a little bit of intro for the dramatics and in, in the band and where, where, um, uh, where all the, those, um, his name just came out of my head. Um, well, Algie Smith and then, um, uh, from slight, what's J- his name? Jacob, Jacob Lattimore. Lattimore. I get that you need to introduce them a little bit and bring that in, but you can, you can tighten that. Um, I'll agree with you where even at the end that court case lingers a little bit, you can tighten that, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's overly long, but the length where, where the length does work is when that scene just doesn't end in the middle, you know? And that's, that's, that's some stuff. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really need to see Algie sing in front of an empty theater. I, I get it. 
He likes dream singing. I, I get He's it a too. dream. Like right. the message was well received. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. You know. I agree completely on the length and and wanting that to be tightened up, and I did like having the Will Poulter's character, the cop. Um, I liked seeing. This sounds so weird. I like seeing the first murder. I just I don't know how like that doesn't sound right to say out loud to me. It, but it, it helped build his character. But I think yeah, and I think I think it gives us an additional piece to that for the realities times where. We think about police officers that have have things on their record but are not punished. Then they just go on to, perp- you know, perpetrate this, these things further. And I think that's what we were seeing is a lack of control in the beginning. They just they knew the, even, the cop even says, "I'm going to charge you with murder," and then go go back out. Right? Like, come on now, Seri- like I was doing a come on moment in the theater. Like, are you serious? Um, and then I'm glad you brought that up about not showing the lead up to the riots that was on my mind it was uh it was something i was looking for in the film all the way throughout was how were they going to make it how were they going to portray those those african americans that were rioting and were angry were they going to make it so that they were all victims or were they going to make it like they did in the riot area where you really don't see why they're that mad um one interesting thing that came out of it for me was that everything we see or quite a few moments that we see characters have done something wrong and and i found this to be a very intentional choice and one that i liked because the first the first man to get shot and killed by poulter is stealing right the guys at the club is an unlicensed club. They do shoot the fake pistol at the National Guard, which is an incredibly bad idea, mind you, right? And so I think it's important that we see these are poor choices that were made, but very clearly not choices that warranted the type of response that they got. Because you are we, writing my lessons for me, man. Yep. Yeah, let me let me just kind of jump in on that because one of the things that I did was like, and and I'll see if I can send you the link. I think it was like a PBS link or something, because I was trying to just do like some quick research about the Detroit riot or rebellion. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting was, one, I thought it was very interesting, and I don't know how historically accurate it is or not, was that Bigelow tried to balance a lot of things in this movie, kind of like what you're saying, like, Yes, you did something wrong, but it wasn't justified for, you know, you being killed or harassed or anything like that. And I think in some areas it was to a detriment, but we'll get to that later. Um, I thought it was interesting how, yes, we have Will Poulter's character, but we start off with a black officer that's leading the charge. You know, and I thought that was very interesting. And I, I, I that's the part where I kind of want to go research. And I'm like, did that happen? If not, what was the creative choice to do that? But regardless, you know. But the other dynamic with that is, yes, the the, the young man was stealing, but what was he stealing? He was stealing food. Right. Because during those times, you know, like, they're still in an impoverished area. Not to mm-hmm. mention that's now been burnt down for days, weeks, you know. So 
some people need the food, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is something that typically gets missed with a lot of rioting um, situations. It's like or looting. You know, sometimes people are doing it out of necessity, not just because I want the bra- you know, the latest cell phone and I got to go, you know, raid my Best Buy or anything like that. Um yeah, and you know, so I, I I like the fact that that was there. I just don't know if it was caught or if it will be caught by some people. Because to me, I was looking at him running, and I was like, he is holding on to those grocery bags really tightly. Yeah. When these two cops are chasing him with guns, most people, if you were stealing, you would have dropped the stuff and ran. He's holding on to that food. So to, to me, that's what stood out to me. I was like, wow, that says something deeper than whatever minor petty crime that he's doing is like there's a bigger need there so what was the next thing that you had that kind of pinged for you you man oh but from your top uh, of black list for the balance or the thing that i thought was a detriment to it yeah keep it coming oh uh (laughs) so and I'm sorry in advance. This might ruffle some feathers or whatnot, but I wasn't really a fan of how Bigelow intentionally, and and I just attended the Q and A. So uh, Jacob Lattimore and Algie Smith, they were there. So this is where I'm getting this information from. Um, but it was apparently intentional for uh, the director Bigelow to include certain scenes. Um, to basically counterbalance the narrative. So, yes, we have the Will Poulter and, you know, his racist crew, you know, of police officers, but then we get a sprinkle of other police officers. And the effort behind that was, you know, as we've kind of already mentioned, that not all cops were bad. Now, one of the issues that I have with it is kind of twofold. One is the fact that most of the things that I appreciated in this movie when it came to police was that it wasn't really always about the individual officers, but more so about the system and how the system has never been, it's just never been fixed. So, yes, we see Will Poulter, you know, shoot down this kid from behind. And then next thing you know, he's on the street again. That's a problem with the system. We also see the problem with the fact that, you know, you know, later in the movie with the whole courts and judicial stuff and literally all that. every level of the yeah, system like, we see from every step of being the way, a roadblock. Yeah, the system is a problem. And that's something that I think needs to be emphasized when we are trying to address these issues, because, again, Every cop is not bad. That's not the problem. One other issue that I have is, and I think a lot of directors do this, but it's unintentional. And and I will admit, and I've heard this from other critics and other um, people that were going to approach this movie, was, oh, Detroit, it looks like a quote-unquote black movie but it's directed by a white director. So there's usually a level of apprehension, like what are you about to do here that's not going to totally represent this story? And one thing might be the quote-unquote white savior trope where you just have a certain figure that 
tries to save people of color or just tries to save face in some way, shape or form. And one thing that kind of stood out to me was that you would have certain characters be almost too progressive. And that's the part that bothers me because we have to realize that this is something that happened three years after Martin Luther King Jr. got assassinated. So it's not like racism just stopped. And not only that, during that time, people were not as politically correct or politically, you know, progressive in their thinking as they are, as we are today. So, you know, I'll give you a hypothetical example. You might have an officer, you know, calling someone the N-word, beating them down, and then maybe you have a good officer that's like, hey, stop that. That's not cool. Leave that N-word alone. You know, Mm -hmm. that would be more in line with being progressive, but still being relevant to the time. Because during that time, no one was sitting here thinking, hey, the N-word really isn't something I should be, you know, saying at all, Mm -hmm. you know. But I get the I got the impression that it was more so, you know, a, a, a late 2000 level of progressive thinking that was implied on these characters in the 1960s. And that immediately, to me, waters down the level of, I don't know, realism during sure. that time frame. And it, I think even like, the, um, yeah, I think even like the talk and awareness and progressive nature of the two white prostitutes was a little over the top in the same way. Like, you know, if, if these are girls are just supposed to be floozies, boy, they sure had a lot, you know, they had their fair share of statements and assurances that are a little, little on the nose too. Yeah. I mean, just the whole, like, but they're boys and you're killing them in cold murder. To me, that sounded like a white person from 2017 talking. Yeah, right. It did sound like someone who was, you know, back then, again, not to say that they weren't anybody progressive in those times. It's Mm -hmm. just the fact that there are levels to these things there. You know, I mean, if we think about our level of thinking when it comes to uh, just the last 20 years with the LGBT community, there are certain things that we were saying in the 80s that we just don't say anymore. There's a new F word now. You know, that we don't say. So right. it's kind of like if we're going to be true to the time and the element, we have to keep our thinking in check and realize that, yeah, some people tried to do right. But in today's standards, they'd still be politically incorrect or wrong. And mm-hmm. it's not intentional. That's just the way things were. And I, I, I longed for that to be implemented, but sometimes it didn't so that that was my grievance so i wonder if one of the scenes that i actually consider a standout scene that i i really liked would actually fall into that now that i'm thinking about it um and for you and that's the scene where and forgive me i don't remember the other guy's name but carl the the guy who is initially you know with the with the fake gun is play acting the scenario out with one of the other guys in the room, and this is where he's, he's pointing the play gun at him. But he starts off very, sl- it starts off very slow. You know, it, it's basically to display the idea of how profiling 
can lead to provocation and an escalation of the situation to the point where they give themselves a reason to shoot you. And I actually really enjoyed the way in which that scene played out um, as an example of what could very well happen today and what does happen today. And it simultaneously was one of the very, 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 very few moments of levity uh, at the end, you know, when he's we realize he's faking it, that we have in the entire movie. So do you, is that actually an example of something that you might think is not <laughs> progressive? Because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, that doesn't really fit. No. So first of all, you know, the audience that I saw this with was predominantly black. So mm-hmm. during that entire scene, um, that intensity was felt, you know, like, okay. cause at first you really didn't know if he was joking or not. Yeah. Um, but once we did get that moment of levity, it was kind of like, Oh, okay. Like there was a collective sigh of relief and some chuckles here and there. It felt um, like a scene that could have been in get out to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but no, I, I would tell you the, the one scene that was, uh, that directly stood out to me, um, and, uh, relative to what I was mentioning before was uh, when Algae, when they let him go, when they let him go and he's running away, he's covered in blood, and then a police officer finds him. And yeah. he's just, oh my gosh, what human being would do this to you? Come yeah. on, brother, let me help you. That was a collective eye roll <laughs> moment. I heard I every person's eyeballs rolling, including mm-hmm. my own, because it was like, that is an injection of 2017 progressive thinking mm-hmm. that I because let's let's really be honest here with this situation. You're in a city where the it's under what uh, national the National Guard is coming in. It's probably under martial law. You've got a situation where people are still fresh out of, you know, still being pretty racist, even if it's in subtle ways. Um, so you at least have certain prejudices built up, right? Mm-hmm. And you're in the middle of a city that has just like been rioting and having looting and all this stuff happening for days and weeks. You see a black man running towards you covered in blood. And the first thing you think about is their health. I find that incredibly hard to believe. Yeah. I, I, I find it hard to believe that not to say that they would have been, hey, let me turn on my racist meter and, you know, just go full out. But I, at least they would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you running? Where are you running from? Whose right. blood is that? I thought What's for a second. On? Yeah, I thought for a second I was like, oh, crap. You know, like because he's yeah. he's acting realistically afraid like oh gosh another cop and i thought oh no the cop's gonna see him covered in blood and the first thought would be what did you do to somebody else right where's the guy you just killed Mm -hmm. and and that's what i was expecting to happen and i mean like again they didn't to me they didn't have to go in that full direction that you're alluding to Mm -hmm. to me it's just like you know like i'm very okay with them giving uh, Algie's character the benefit of the doubt I just found it very hard to believe that they just automatically assumed that he was the victim because we don't tend to get that credit we never right. really have especially covered in blood and running while rioting is happening come on now that's just that's that, that's a that's a big negative for me it's that's a, that's incredibly a unrealistic so Aaron, what? do you have a start criticism in any direction? 
Um, I, no, we've we've really touched on all of the ones that I would have thought of, which were mostly the length and um, a little bit the the depiction of the rioting. That was that was one thing that kind of rubbed me wrong. Other than that, I I had a I mean very powerful time with it, and I walked out you just kind of stunned and shocked at how little we've changed in 50 years. I mean, um, my heart was broken to be honest. And to kind of compare this a little bit in other civil rights efforts, you know, Emmanuel mentioned the LGBT, uh, issues that have, that have been fought against for years. So I actually, there's a, we have a, a trans critic that is one of our, one of our team and is a good friend. She's, she is a, an incredible human being. Um, one of the, the best people I've ever met. And so today, the day we, we saw this film came on the heels of an announcement by president Trump to, you know, ban all trans, uh, sexuals and transgenders from the military. So it was a very hard day for her. And it was, (laughs) it was an extra intense experience kind of watching a movie like this, with her and realizing that it even extends beyond, you know, people of color. Now we've almost gone backwards. Not even just the same anymore. Like it's just, there's more and more and more that we're trying to segregate. Um, so I, it was just a very unique experience. So I came out with a, a heavy heart, to be honest. I was, I was very emotional about it. Um, I wasn't walking out, you know, walking around in tears or anything, but it was a weight on me. And the, my level of empathy was raised. Not that I wasn't really empathetic before, but much like Get Out earlier this year, I think these films are important because they attempt to put us in a headspace of a person that we, we being me, a white male, can never fully understand. I can try, and I think that is my charge, <laughs> is to try, to learn, to listen first to others' experiences, to, to soak this in and see and, and try and feel what might have been felt, and then to go forward from there and show that in my life, you know, in my daily interactions with people, and to also be understanding, because I will never get pulled over the same way that Emmanuel might feel when he gets pulled over. Like I just will never happen. If I get pulled over, I am not the last thing on my mind is what's going to happen to me. Like will never cross my mind. But if I'm Emmanuel, that could be a legitimate concern. It's the middle of the night in Chicago and I get pulled over. I'm by a white cop. I don't know. Right. I might be a little nervous. And so I think that if this film can generate some of that type of thinking in the general populace um, and white America, then I think it's a success. I think the second half of the springboard out of all this is we talked about the springboard to knowledge, to, to jumping in and, and learning more about the history that brought you, that brought this story about. And, and if that, and if that springboard can, can come from a place of sympathy or empathy, I think those are good, but that's the right initial springboard the more challenging second springboard is as citizens, no matter what race, color, creed we are, um, what can we do about it? 
you know, what can we do about it? You know, thanks to inspiration from this movie, what can we do about it? Seeing the parallels to the present. And that's, I think that's the more difficult, greater challenge that if a movie can push and do great, you know, um, in, in, yeah, but it's, that's, a, that's, that's a hard for, I think for some, there'll be a hard leap to make, although I want it to be a leap everyone can try to make, you know, so that's, it's man, you know, it's, um, I think you were, you kind of were saying this a little bit to both of us, E-Man, where it was, um, you know, if, if, if you gritted your teeth and you, and you clenched your fists and you felt enraged or incensed by what you saw, you know, think about, think on that, you know, think on that and bring it to now, think on that and take it out of the movie theater and apply it to your life. And I think there's room for that from a film like this. Yeah. And let me just, let me just add this on there because this isn't something it's not popular to say and talk about because there are a lot of conflicting um, emotions about it. And, you know, and I'm, I'm gaining this perspective because I know good police officers. Like I know them. These are friends. I've went to high school with them, college, you know, families. I know like these are good people. And there's a there's a misconception, I think, that this movie might portray. Um, and I want to at least bring it to people's attention so that they realize the difference. I don't consider a police officer a good officer just because they do an act that I would call as a good humanly act, right? So when you see a young man or a person who's covered in blood and you're like, oh my gosh, let me get them to a hospital, that's something any human being would do. You know, that's the good act, you know what I mean? So that's Mm -hmm. not being a good cop. To me, being a good cop is maybe, and, and the more most realistic one is probably the detective from the beginning that's like, I'm charging you with murder and stuff like that. You know, I'm recommending it because at least you're doing your job and you're not doing what Will Poulter was doing was trying to circumvent, you, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the system and, you know, okay, hey, let's get you a cover story and let's do this. Because one of the greatest sins, I think, within police system or that law or whatever is the code of silence. That's the bigger problem. Because when people like to say, well, not all cops are bad, I think everyone believes that, but they still have an image problem when we see these bad cops, these very small percentage of bad cops doing things, but we don't really hear or see the good cops speaking against them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when that level of silence is there, that silence is, in a sense, a bit of complicity, you know, and... and Mm -hmm in a sense you're almost guilty by association and mm-hmm. I, that's the same feeling i got when um when the military guys came in from the national oh, guard agree. and they were just kind of like mm, this is police that happen, now. I, I but you not. saw you saw the conflict in his face that like what's going on here is not right and it's not cool and this is probably illegal but that level of yeah. silence mm-hmm. to just turn your face and okay well i'll help the white prostitutes you know or whatever i think we only had like one military person come in and sneak one black person out but right. you know the one that was like actually in the thick of things that knew what was going on or even the commander 
you know, or general that came in right. and was like, what are they doing? They're losing control. They're doing, mm, I don't want to deal with this. Well, to me, I can't say that you're a good military person or you're a good law enforcement person because you're allowing a crime to happen, you know, right. and you're not speaking up right. against it. So I can't just say, oh, yeah, you're a good one or you're a shining example because technically you should be you know, sticking to the law instead of to your brother or sister in blue. Like, right. so I think that, that silence is something that needs to be communicated because uh-huh. people get too comfortable with their uncomfortability. Mm-hmm. And I think that entire progression of that Algiers motel scene, um, it, it has a shock value to people who don't know that history. And I didn't, you know, I mean, I knew of the Detroit riots, but I admit, as I'm watching that scene unfold, where I watch no military officer try to intervene and even par- and even co-participate, when I watch cops all outside the building, you know, who are likely higher, you know, higher uh, rank than just this patrolman who's in trouble, running this whole little game you show, not intervene or do anything or, or come in and assist the three officers that are there, even just to not have that go on as long as it does. I admit that. When I was watching that scene, not knowing that the Algiers part was a true story, I didn't, you know, it, there's a part of you that goes that what you're watching is so outrageous and outlandish in terms of conduct that you almost, you almost kind of pull that dramatic license card out of your shirt and go, wow, they are really going out there for some crazy, crazy things. And then by the time you get, by the time that scene ends, and Bigelow brings back the archival footage of body bags coming out of that motel and the images of, no, all of what you just watched, maybe with a little bit of dramatic license in there because they, they throw that tag in the credits. But, you know, the idea that 80%, 60%, 90% of what you just watched likely really did happen and chances are maybe even happened worse, it rattles you in that, oh my God, I can't believe I just watched all of those horrible, terrific mistakes happen on so many fronts and it wasn't just quote unquote a movie that it, it, it's a mind-blowing moment when if you are uninformed that when that moment finally hits you and you're like wow and then for it to linger further into the punishment and where the characters can go after that it just it it, it just massages that moment of pain in further and it's that's what makes the film a real powerful experience yeah one of the one of the real tragic things for me was watching is it, it's is it larry i can't i got larry and kevin confused which one makes it out larry larry watching larry's kind of descent and and in a way i felt like that almost served as a it almost serves as like a full circle right now we don't see larry turn into a writer but we see larry with basically ptsd from his experience that ends up costing him his dreams because he can't cope. He can't, he can no longer act the same or be the same kind of person. He lives in fear and choose a life of poverty. And, and that was very poignant to me was to see someone choosing that life out of feeling like that's kind of just what they have to do. Um, because growing up, I always thought, well, you know, if you're all, there's a lot of black poor people in the area. Well, you're poor because you, you just, 
you're just too lazy to get out, right? And I'm being very honest about how I grew up, not because my parents taught me that, but just that's just how the world kind of views it. And so it's not always like that, right? You never, you don't look deeper and you see what's, like you said, Eman, what's behind how we got to that point. And I thought it was very, very interesting seeing his character going through something like that. Because I, I see his character moving, like not so much a choice of poverty, but a choice of principle. You know, he said, you know what? I'm not going to, you know, entertain and dance. I'm yep. going to stay in my community, learn that this is now my community and I'm inevitably connected to it. I felt like he made a choice of principle as much as he made a choice of lifestyle. Yeah, I think he he definitely um, communicated that when he was now you know when we when we transition from someone who's willing to sing in front of an empty audience, you know, just for the fact of singing, but now coming to the realization of like, okay, who's actually buying my music? Who's actually going to be listening to it? And it's the same people that for him you know, just abused him like when uh, Poulter was having him sing and stuff like that. I think that just completely broke his psyche there. It did. You know, so, yeah. Well, it it just makes you think, it made me think of that's how we can get to a situation where we have so many people who come up in this lifestyle of a feeling like that's just what they're meant to be. Right, it's it's a it's a pervasive thing, and and that cycle has to stop at some point, and and you can see in this film where she uses this as an example of something that can trigger that that action, and so I I, I liked seeing his I, I descent into this this state and this this change. I, I do like that he's he seems to have been able to live a happy stable life uh you know the fact that we get the little credit at the end saying hey he's still singing in the church um i was i was pleased by that i was happy about that it made me smile a little bit yeah i mean you know one thing you know because i know i've, I've been <laughs> ripping the movie but again i've actually i actually like the movie you know just in case if anybody was confused um one thing that was interesting from the q a they were saying that one thing that Bigelow did purposely was not give everyone their lines or scripts until like almost the day of. So a lot of times, a lot of the actors did not know what they were going into or how other characters were going to react to them. So um, one thing she was really pulling for was pure emotion. So a lot of that wall scene you know, where yeah. they're posted up on the wall. A lot of them didn't know what some of the white actors were going to do or what Will Poulter was going to say or, you know, so like um, Jacob was talking, Jacob Lattimore, who played Fred, was talking about how, you know, he has a very unique relationship with Will Poulter because they met on Maze Runner. So they've had an existing relationship. They're very cool together and all that. Mm-hmm. And one thing he was saying was just like, you know, not knowing what you're going to get into, you can't really mentally prepare for it. So all you can do is react with your emotions, right? So when Will is saying some of those nasty things and, you know, coming with his level of intensity and stuff, um, you know, not only Jacob, but like all the actors were basically saying like how they had to go to a very dark place, you know, to do it and how sometimes certain scenes especially the wall scenes would last for so long 
that during a you know a cut or a intermission or something you know jacob was saying like me and will would just have to like hug for like 15 seconds you know just to kind of like decompress right you know and just have some moment of levity you know like they didn't even know that scene where, where will eventually you know shoot jacob's uh or fred um they didn't know that was happening you know until like that very moment so a lot of the emotions you see are pretty raw i would say um and and it felt that way i I thought you know it communicated very well um throughout so you know like certain people didn't know who was going to get picked you know to go upstairs or go in the next room so you know you saw some genuine shock and and reactions and i you know big ups to bigelow for that agreed and big ups to, you know, the actors putting those scenes together. I mean, as much as we want to sit here and, and completely and for <laughs> obvious reasons hate Will Poulter's character, the guy put a pretty darn good performance out there to incredible. hold all of that. Yeah. yeah. Incredible, really, honestly. And I, I like blown, Will Poulter, too. I was blown away by him. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to punch him. And that, to right? me, That's you a, did your job. That means you did Yeah, yeah exactly. And then, yeah. and then for me, the revelation out of the film, especially if he's a, a, a new actor, Algie Smith was fantastic. You know, that was, you know, not just his singing talent and where he, you know, gave that flavor of the film, but just, you know, like you said, that descent and, and the places he went, not just from the, the where he started being the smoothie with the girls, but how that wall scene, of course, broke him down and it spun it later. And it wasn't just mopey like in acting school mopey. It was hardened you know and 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 a young actor conveyed that really well and i was impressed so, so yeah, oh, go ahead. well i was gonna make a joke so if you're Don't gonna go say something it. serious oh, nope <laughs> i just thought this was kind of interesting at one moment in this movie we actually had a galley talking to a gilly <laughs> and game i think e-man is the only one who's gonna notice that but <laughs> gilly from game of thrones uh, i noticed that was one of the girls beginning. and will polter's yeah. character in maze runner is named galley yeah yeah and i love both of those i, know, <laughs> I love maze runner too <laughs> yeah. you guys are so cute right now <laughs> jealous <I can't. laughs> uh, gonna... all i laughed at was how how you can't I can't look at John Krasinski and not see the doofus from the office. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can't play I know he's done like thirteen hours and he's it's attempted some serious him. acting. And he, I know he's attempted some serious acting and this is a nice like you're saying, a nice step up to a, a different kind of performance for him. But as soon as he opens his mouth, I just hear Jim. And I, and it, it's yeah. it's an if he's almost borderline ineffective at the end of the film. I, I did in this one. Role was small enough that yeah. it wasn't yeah. that significant. Yeah. But. I, I bought him in. I bought him in thirteen hours, but I didn't. I didn't buy it here. Like this was. Yeah. It was like why? Yeah. Why even use him for? for yeah. <laughs> I didn't right. know why Jim was so mad. I'm like, why is he so angry as a lawyer? I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. What happened with Dr. Flynn? Out. Yeah, is he going to start pranking the, the the prosecuting attorney? Who I think, if I remember my faces, by the way. Is film director Gavin O'Connor from Warrior and different films like that? Miracle, you know. I know he acts on the side. I think that's Gavin O'Connor. So wow, that'd be impressive. This. Let me ask you guys this: How did you feel about John Boyega's character and his? Um, well, when you say character, and then I can say performance, I'm going two ways. As a performance, I loved that he was the. Uh, I, the smart is the wrong word, but just the 
the the attempted wiser presence. Um, you want to shake his character and go help, but you know and completely recognize the situation where he can't. Um, and I thought he he held it in his performance. I don't know if it if he got to that boil over point enough once it all ended, like once the scenes of the courtroom and stuff came back and that character was still active and all that. And I don't know if those scenes went all that good for John, but um, the way he started his character and the way he his character attempted to participate as the watchful eye was was all right. I, I thought it would, I maybe I wanted more visible conflicted feelings like they better hurt more to watch what was happening uh, i don't know i didn't need tears streaming down his face and wailing noises but i mean just i i need a little more like when he starts to have his hands nervously vibrate when he when he's pinched for maybe being a suspect i wanted more of that during the incident i guess but that's getting real nitpicky mm. I, I liked him a lot most of it but i I had some issues with his character, to be honest. I, if if he's supposed to be kind of our in the in the moment center, right, our morality center to some point at some just on some level, mm-hmm. I, I, it was really difficult, specifically when he was in the room and, to his knowledge, the, he, there was, he was well, I can't remember all of who was who, but. One of the boys was about to be killed, right? Poulter was like, I'm going to shoot you right now. And it was right before he shot the floor. But Boyega's character is just, he's paralyzed in that moment. And I feel, I, I guess, I feel, maybe and maybe this is the point. Maybe he is there as an example of what most of us would do, right? We we talk, talk, or we, we, we really, truly do want to see change. We don't want to see these things take place. But we're not willing to put ourselves on the line. And I felt like that's where his character came through to me. It's someone who was willing to go all the way up to the point of actually putting his own life in the crossfire to stop something. So he definitely had good intentions. He tried to make an effort, but I mean, at the end of the day, these, these people were going to be killed and he wasn't going to stop it from happening. And that, I didn't like his character for that. I thought his performance was great. Were you waiting for like a Mexican standoff where he finally had enough and confronted those three cops? Yeah, I I, I honestly thought it was going to go one of those two ways. I thought either he he was going to confront someone and stop an action from happening, and that was mm-hmm. going to trigger, you know, a, eventually like be a part of the ending, or I thought he was going to get himself killed by trying to yeah. stop Me the too. action. Or or try to stop the action and then get kicked out or something. Something I thought something was going to happen where he was going to make a choice, and he never really made a choice to me. Oh, he, he made a choice. Well, he okay, choice. I take that back. He made a choice of inaction. Yeah, and 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 it's... man, does his character make your progressive list though? Is it borderline there? No, no. And the reason okay. why it doesn't is because um, he fit into these three categories so like i I took a uh black history of christianity class or whatever in college and uh in grad school and like one of the things we studied was um it was and of course i'm forgetting the author's name but they classified um 
black people from the times of enslavement all the way up to freedom um, and put them in three different categories. And you had survival, elevation, and liberation. And I thought that all three of those elements were depicted in this movie. So with liberation, you're seeing the that's the Detroit rebellion crowd. You know, the people that are like, forget this. We've been here. We've done this. We're tired. You know, we want change now. You know, when they're arguing with the congressmen and stuff like that, those people want liberation. Even the young man that Boyega tried to save from the police and he's calling him an Uncle Tom and stuff like that. He's all about liberation. It's not about trying to comply with the man or trying to be reasonable. It's like, look, enough is enough. We don't want to be oppressed. Fight the power, right? Mm -hmm. Elevation, I would say, is probably more so um, Algie's character, Larry. You know, it's like, hey, don't you guys see what's going on? I need to elevate your mind and have you see a different perspective that, yes, music is great and all that, but don't you see who's listening to it? Don't you see who's contributing to it? You know, and things like that. You know, again, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not, but the point is he wanted to elevate his mind state to a different moral plane or just a different mode of thinking. But when it comes to survival, the last category, that was John Boyega. Um, his character, if you want to bring it back to even like the times of slavery, he's kind of like, you know, the house Negro, you know, he's the kind that's like, Hey guys, I know things are bad, but we got to do what we got to do just to survive, just to make it through the night. Even if that means, you know, someone gets sexually assaulted, sacrificing. even if that means someone gets sacrificed, it's about the greater good for us to just survive and make it. So, yeah, I mean, his character to me did everything that fell into that mindset of a category because he wasn't about elevating people's minds. He wasn't about liberating people from the injustice that he clearly saw was happening. He was just about like, we just need to make it through the night. And I think he literally said that, you know, he did. He did at one point, he said, let's just make it through tonight. We yeah, just make you know, through. so I never really expected from uh, expected him to um, have a hero moment, have a hero moment or anything, because I think for him, he had his own hero moments, which were, hey, hey, hey let me take him and go upstairs or, yeah. you know, OK, yeah. uh, officers, this is my my nephew. Let me, you yeah. know, talk, I'm sorry. Like that was his hero moments, you know, for him. Did it work overall? Not really, because at the end of the day, almost every white person that interacted with him saw him as a tool. You know, they saw Mm -hmm. him as, oh, you can get something from these other black people that we probably can't get, you know, or you can relate to them and communicate for us, you know, or something. So, like, it's sad, but I understand it. Right. You know. I follow what you're saying. Yeah, I, I found it odd that he was never he never testified. The mm-hmm. one person that had full 360 visibility that could have given an eyewitness account of everything that took place never was shown on the stand testifying, and I, I didn't I did not understand. That. I guess it's probably historical accuracy, but I would have liked to known 
why it was he went from suddenly being, you know, used again as a tool, as a suspect, as a scapegoat, to the one person that could have given that information, unless his character is a creation and not part of actual history, in which case then we wouldn't have needed to put him on the stand, I guess. They showed the post-credits dismukes, you know, where... Yeah. Um, True, I meant, I meant more of his role in the in Algiers motel. Like, maybe it was... Maybe that's part of what was embellished or exaggerated. Well, from what I heard, I they, um, what I heard, there, there just was not a lot of historical information. I mean, they didn't put a number on it, but from the way... Lattimore was describing in the Q and A, it sounded like maybe they had thirty, forty percent of you know documentation information. Um, I don't even know if they really had that much eyewitness testimony. Mm. Um, Larry's character, um, he's still alive, you know. And mm. but the but the thing is, because. Bigelow didn't want them to, you know, read their scripts and know what was going on. They didn't meet the real life individuals until after the movie was already done, you know, which I don't really know how I feel about that, but you know, it's an interesting move, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, there's, there's a lot of wiggle room for interpretation, which I'm very happy that the movie is self-admitting about. You know, right. I'm glad that it You're did that. And it, yeah, like it's not trying to say this is based no, off no. of historical facts. And, you know, right. it's like there's some liberties here. It reminded know? me of like the way they use Russian roulette in The Deer Hunter, mm. where, you know, in the POW camp, where there's likely not an exact scene that played out that way, but as a heightened piece of, you know, material in which to put in a movie. It plays, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, it felt like something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I know we've talked a lot. Anybody yeah. have anything else they've got Maybe on their mind for now, that, or? Um, it, I, it just, I think we, I know we did recommendations earlier, but um, I'll echo it. This is, you could call it painful. You can call it. You, you can call it. In, um. Provocative, you can call it difficult. Every every part of it is still worth seeing, you know, um, and worth absorbing, worth 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 getting your head messed up about, you know. I I I I for one don't shy away from those films. I I welcome a film that pushes and challenges me, and and this it's this one earns it. A uh, quick question for you guys: Did you guys think it was too violent? No, I mean I no. thought I hated it. But I hated it. It was yeah. it was effective. I didn't want to sugarcoat. I think mean, as soon as you sugarcoat that, you get. I'm trying to think of a comp here. Um, without saying Dunkirk. Um, yeah, you. I don't think there's a way you don't do that hard R. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. I, I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, if all you're doing is just punching people and giving them a black eye, no. you know, it's yeah. kind of like, so does that mean we can never show an Emmett Till movie? You know, uh-huh. like, stuff like this happens, you know, and I'm pretty sure that the victims probably wish there was less violence too, but unfortunately that doesn't happen, so. That's the but thing. no, I just wanted to ask, because I know some people probably, you know, 
oh, the I violence think gets yeah, a little I too think much. You'll have a crowd. I'm with you. I think you'll have a crowd of people who will borderline think they need to walk out of a film like that. You know, because maybe they'll hit them like a hit me for a minute where it's so out. So like I said, outlandish when it's so outlandish and, and crazy where they're like, no way they have a come on moment that's strong enough to make them walk in the lobby or maybe the blue lives matter crowd is not going to like the portrayal of police and they're going to walk out, you know, See, um, I, I, which I, I, I think it's hateful crap, but you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a big problem with that only because unless we're talking about a movie like hostile, which is obviously, you know, torture porn right. and you know almost masochist and you know like it just goes there for unnecessary reasons but i think that when you get to that point of because this makes me so uncomfortable in realistic terms now and we're not talking mm-hmm. about you know excessive stuff um it ex- you're exercising a level of privilege and that's what ends up happening because those people that endure those things they in real life they could not just get up and walk away, you exactly. know, and a lot of people that are watching these things probably know someone who has gone through something similar and they couldn't turn away. I mean, when we look at like the um, the uh, the the victims families, you know, of some of these cases that have made national news, they can't just turn off the TV and walk out the house and have a normal life. They can't yeah. walk away from those things. So if we're really talking about a level of empathy, we have to realize that we don't always have that, that everyone doesn't have that level of privilege and that ability to just turn things off that are uncomfortable. Like mm-hmm. the uncomfort is what's supposed to stir you, you know, to, you know, into action or awareness or whatever, you know, Obviously, we don't need to dwell on it forever, but think about it enough so that it 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 does a heart change, yeah, in some well, way, shape, or form. Answer your own question, Ian. Was there anything um, excessive on your end? Nah, <laughs> not really. I was fully bought into the idea that they might all die. I, I had no mm-hmm. idea what was going to happen, and I, I I truly didn't have an expectation of oh. Uh, I couldn't peg the movie like, oh, these two or three characters are going to make it out alive or, oh, here's going to be the feel good story because it was so violent and because it was so just intense in its violence and and heaviness and the way that Poulter's character was acting. I I really I could have easily seen him just flipping the switch and being like, ah, well, they all got to go right. My own save my own skin. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And I don't think that would have been nearly as effective if it would have been just, you know, slapping them around, um, so to speak. So, yeah, it was, I was also waiting. I I fully expected a rape. I, I couldn't believe that I didn't get it. I'm actually glad we didn't. I think that the, the fear of a rape that mm-hmm. was absolutely present and for both the characters and the viewers was enough. The, the way in which some of the cops looked at the girls uh, and and just briefly touched them and just just it was it was it was worse yeah than seeing it actually happen so yeah well uh why don't we just wrap this one up then and uh call that a day for now <laughs> if mm-hmm. uh listeners I will put links to both of these gentlemen's reviews and their other stuff on 
this movie into the show notes. So if you want to read those, if you haven't read them already, because they will probably be out before this podcast, since Chicago is getting the movie before Seattle. But um, we will put those in there if you want to read what they have to say further. If you'd like to connect with them and talk to either of them about this movie or any movie, guys, where can they do that? I guess, uh, Don, why don't you tell us where the people can find you first? Right. Uh, every movie has a lesson, uh, com or, or, or search that term on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or otherwise. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, yeah. E-man's movie reviews. That's the main place for, uh, reviews. But if you really want to connect, come and find me on Facebook, E-man's movie reviews. Um, you know, we talk about movie news, funny memes, and, uh, yeah, just, have some fun. Good deal, guys. Well, if you would like to find me anymore, uh, anywhere, listeners, you can find me all over the internet at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. That's on Twitter and Facebook. And both of these guys are also in the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group, so you can come there and have fun, exciting movie talk all day long every day as well. Thanks for being here and listening. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this. We hope that you've had a chance to think further on the film. Maybe you've, you know, gleaned some insight from something we said, or it has spurned you to action. Um, that's that's the goal, right? And that's that's what we all hope we came out of this film with is that sense of awareness, if if nothing else. So, thanks for being here, and until next time, stay positive and keep feeling film. black coffee sorry that's not going in the podcast <laughs> i don't have any sugar <laughs> oh, i don't have any sugar that was that was pretty nice that was that was a great line that was a fantastic line boyega's boyega's face on that line was just oh <laughs> totally. yeah